Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hi there, it's Rob here, the producer of the Witch Money podcast. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to tell you all about a brand new podcast from us here at Witch that I think you're really going to enjoy. Now, it's called Witch Shorts, and in that podcast, we'll be bringing you the very best articles from across witch.co.uk and our various magazines. Now, those articles will be there every single week, available for you to listen to. And that's because we know you're busy, so you can have a listen wherever you are to our insightful journalism. So you might be at home, you might be on the move, but you'll be able to enjoy them wherever you are. Now, we've already released our first batch of episodes for you to listen to. You can hear everything from a deep dive into cryptocurrency to investigating NHS versus private healthcare and even a trip to Crete as well to give you a bit of summer holiday inspiration. So all you need to do is search Witch Shorts wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Pension saving is free money from your employer and the government on a constant basis. So it's it's something that you should you should certainly always try to, to tap into when you can. Now the concern is is that if you look to stop contributing to a pension, you are missing out on those all important contributions, particularly early on in your career. I am super wary about coming across all sanctimonious here because so many people are struggling in the here and now. And being able to even think about squirrelling money away for the future is 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 just a luxury that they that they do not have. With the cost of living crisis taking its toll, many of us will be looking at ways to cut back on costs and help make our cash go further. For some, this could mean reducing the number of coffees on your morning commute, putting an end to that once weekly takeaway or rethinking some of those subscriptions. But if that isn't enough, are there other areas of long term investment we could look at when reducing our monthly outgoings? The latest Witch Consumer Insight Tracker found 59% of people who responded made an adjustment to cover essential spending last month and 28% were forced to dip into their savings. So it may well be tempting to let your pension contributions take the hit now, but what could that mean longer term? To discuss how much you should be putting away and whether cutting your payments could be a worthwhile option, I'm delighted to be joined by Witch Money podcast regular Jenny Ross and Paul Davies, principal researcher and writer here at Witch. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Hello. Hello, good to be back. Well, Jenny, can we start then with an update on where we're at with the cost of living crisis right now to give us an insight into why, as our research suggests, so many people are being forced to dip into their savings? 
Well, I mean, sadly, I don't think anyone really needs much of an explanation here. We've all been experiencing firsthand um, the impact of the rising cost of living in one way or another. And it has been dominating headlines for at least the past few months. I mean, really the best part of a year now, actually. Mm. I was um, looking back earlier at how things have have developed and how we've got to this point. Um, And actually the first sign of trouble came uh, last April, so April 2021, when inflation, uh, which is, as we all know by now, the measure of how quickly prices are changing. um, That's In April last year, it went above 2% for the first time in nearly two years. Mm -hmm. And 2% is significant because that is the Bank of England's sort of optimum target for where they want inflation to Mm -hmm. be. And at the time, some thought, I guess, naively in hindsight, that, you know, it it was quite a common um, view that this would be a temporary spike that was driven largely by the easing of COVID restrictions as everything returned to normal, demand went up for various things. But clearly, that has not been the case. Inflation is now at 9%, which is is huge. Um, That has not been, inflation has not been at that level since March 1982. So many people's lifetimes. And people have really been feeling the effect of prices, what feels like, and in reality, it has been happening, relentlessly rising, Mm. whether that is um, your weekly shop, cost of petrol, and obviously eye-watering energy bills. Mm. So against all of that backdrop, it is completely unsurprising that many of us are having to make changes to cope and, and quite drastic ones in some cases too. You know, we've all heard the phrase now, you know, do you, eating or eating versus heating. Mm. And the sad fact is that all of this pressure is not set to ease anytime soon, not least because the, well, the energy price cap will be going up again in October, war in Ukraine is 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 ongoing. So there are so many pressures which mean which which mean that prices are going to be high for for the foreseeable future, and we're all going to have to adapt as a result. And in addition to our research here at which online investment firm Interactive Investor also carried out a poll, and that found nearly a quarter of people have stopped paying into a long-term investment account to cope with the rising cost of living. And these included reducing contributions to their stocks and shares ISAs, their savings accounts, and even their pension. Now, Paul, I'm really keen to get your response to this in a moment. But first, let's hear from Becky O'Connor, Head of Pensions and Savings at Interactive Investor. Now, this poll was carried out at the beginning of April. So bearing in mind that the cost of living crisis, we kind of we knew it was coming from the beginning of the year, but it didn't really start to to take effect, start to bite until April. April was dubbed awful April. We know that um, taxes were rising, uh, national insurance contributions were rising, and people were dealing with higher energy bills as well. But that was just the very beginning. So if a quarter of people were saying at that point that they had stopped paying into a long-term investment account to cope with the rising cost of living, that tells us either that the, the bite was more sudden and sharper than perhaps we realised. And of course, when you're looking at the official figures, there's always a lag between what's happening in people's homes and what's happening to their budgets and, and what the official figures tell us because they're responding. The ONS, for example, is responding a month later. So this was a kind of real-time response. But of course, it's probably also because there was such a lead up to awful April, as it was termed, people knew it was coming. So they may well have taken steps 
preventative steps, sensible steps to kind of prevent some of the damage to their finances by organizing things in advance. And maybe, you know, if not stopping completely, putting money into their stocks and shares ISA, then just maybe reducing the amount they were putting in. So it could just be a, you know, a symptom of, of forward planning, if you like, for tough times ahead. It might not feel like a luxury, but we kind of did have the luxury of knowing that this was on the cards. So, Paul, having heard our own findings and those from Interactive Investor, is it any surprise that people are looking at their pension as a way of cutting back? Unfortunately, it's not surprising. You can't really stop paying for food. You can't stop paying your energy bills. You can't stop putting petrol in your car. But what you can do is stop your pension contributions. People in their 20s and 30s may look at retirement as way off into the future, 30 or 40 years before they're actually going to start drawing their money from their pension. So it, it seems an easy way to make sure that they have more money per month. So, so, that, so that's a problem. We always tell people that they should start saving into a pension as soon as possible, um, perhaps in their 20s, and, and increase contributions where they can. Generally, that's very sensible, but these are really exceptional circumstances, as Jenny's just outlined. So it's not, not at all surprising that people are looking at their pension contributions right now. And, and then just how much control do we have over how much we pay into our pension pot? Paul and Jenny, do you mind taking us through how these contributions work? Yeah, I, I'll start off. So lots of people will have generous pensions that they might work as a teacher or a nurse and they have uh, a final salary pension that will pay out a guaranteed amount when they retire. Other people will work for companies uh, that have generous contributions. They might contribute 5 10% to people's pensions. So th- this has been the situation for a number of years. But 10 years ago, it, it's, it was apparent that lots of people didn't have any pension provision at all and companies weren't chipping in into their pension pots. So something called auto-enrolment started in 2012. So as I say, that, that was a decade ago. And this was to to sweep up those people that didn't have any pension provision at all. The the regulations as they stand now, so anyone who is over the age of 22 is is working full time and earning over £10,000 per year is automatically enrolled into a pension scheme when they start a job. So everyone is picked up via this system. You, You can opt out if you want, but obviously this isn't a sensible thing to do. In terms of contributions, the minimum level is a combined total of 8% of qualifying earnings. So this is 3% from your employer and a total of 5% from you, although 1% of that 5 is contributed via pension tax relief. So the overall figure is, is 8%. Companies might actually contribute more if you work for a company that's particularly generous, but that's not always the case. You're not legally required to pay into the pension yourself and your employer can't force you out of the scheme. It's slightly different for self-employed people. You're not required to pay in if you're self-employed, but relying on the state pension alone will mean that you have a pretty frugal retirement. So it makes sense if you're self-employed to make your own provision. The upshot of the auto-enrolment that I've, I've mentioned that started 10 years ago is that participation in workplace pensions has increased remarkably over the last 10 years. 10 years ago, 45% of people in employment had a pension. Today, it's around 75%. So it's been, an, it's been a huge improvement in pension provision, which means many more people are better set up to, to have a, a better lifestyle when they come to stop working. 
And can we go back to the point you made there about tax relief? Can we hear a bit more about how that works? Because I know it's it's a big part of what makes saving into a pension such a good idea, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, tax relief is the big incentive that the government dangles to encourage us to all save for retirement. And it's ultimately what, what gives pensions the edge over any other sort of ordinary savings account. Um, and what, what it means is that whenever you pay into a pension, the money that you would otherwise have paid in tax on your earnings goes into your pension pot for your retirement rather than to the government, to HMRC. And that goes for whether you're employed, self-employed, or even if you don't work. So Paul outlined this sort of the auto-enrolment system, which imply, it applies to employees within a workplace scheme. But actually, you know, if you're if you don't work for an employer, if you're self-employed, or if you have any other type of pension that you set up by yourself without an employer being involved, you will still benefit from tax relief on every pound that you put in. And the level of um, tax relief you get is based on the highest rate of income tax you pay. So if you are a higher rate taxpayer, which means you pay income tax at 40% on some of your earnings, then a £100 contribution to your pension would actually cost you just £60 as the government would cover £40 of this, so for 40%. And yeah, again, I'll, I'll repeat, you know, even if you don't work or pay tax, the government will still give you 20% tax relief on your pension contributions. So it's it's a big, big selling point. And it's all tied up in, in, in why um, cutting your contributions or leaving your workplace pension scheme might not be, be the best. Uh, in fact, it's, it's definitely not the best move if you can at all avoid it. Well, before we go into more detail about the impact of, of cutting your contributions, can we touch on what really is the million pound question here and how much we might need for retirement? Do we have a figure in mind that we can perhaps aim towards? We do. We, we've done plenty of research on this over the years. When when the pension system changed six or seven years ago, we sat down with lots of people and had focus groups and we were asking them what they needed advice and guidance on. Mm. And the question that kept coming back and again and again was exactly how much will I need to retire? Yeah. People haven't got a good view on, on how much they need when they stop working. You know, they, they have less in terms of transport costs, etc., but it, they really needed a steer from us. And mm. so we, we built up what we call the um, cost of retirement survey o- over that time where we we have a bunch of retirees and we ask them about their individual spending on lots of categories. And so we've been able to build up a picture over the years about these retirement income targets, as we call those. And so the figures from the latest survey for someone living, a ho- living alone, so a single person in a household, to, to pay for it, essentials it's about £12,000 to have a comfortable lifestyle so that's essentials plus a few holidays and a few recreational activities it's about £19,000 and then to add in a few luxuries which includes perhaps long-haul holidays some leisure leisure memberships or perhaps a new car every few years that's about £31,000 so that's for a single person the figures for a couple for essentials, again, that's £19,000. For a comfortable lifestyle, that's £28,000. And add in a few luxuries, that's £45,000. So those are the figures after tax. So those are quite challenging targets. But there is some help. 
in terms of the state pensions. So we assume that people are getting the state pension. The the amount for the current year is £185.15 per week. But of course, not everyone gets that amount. You might get more or less than that, depending on whether you were contracted out of the additional state pension. So it's a fairly complex system. So you, you may find that you get less than that. But at least that is a decent contribution to the targets we just talked about. At present, you actually qualify for the state pension at age 66. And that's for both men and women. The, the state pension age has been equalised across genders. But for those who were born after the 5th of April 1960, the age is actually going to rise. So it will be 67. And that actually comes into force on a phase basis between 2026 and 2028. The likelihood after that is that it will rise again, perhaps to 68. So people increasingly are going to have to wait to receive the state pension. The other thing to consider is that you can actually access your private pensions at an earlier age. It, it, again, it's currently 55. It's going to raise to 57. But your your actual scheme, your workplace scheme, might have particular rules in place that mean that it's slightly later than that. The, the slight problem here might be that if you do access your pension at 55, there's a serious risk that you might run out of money eventually. So you have to think hard and long about when you actually tap into your pension because it's supposed to be there to last throughout your retirement which could be could be 30 to 40 years depending on when you actually stop working. Mm, It's really amazing to hear this breakdown of targets. My next question though is in terms of reaching those targets how does the amount you save each month or, or year feed into them? How much would you recommend we are putting aside each month? So this is a tricky bit in terms of pension pot. So if we look at the figure for a comfortable retirement for a couple, so £28,000, the overall pot size that you'll need via an annuity, which is a guaranteed payment, is slightly over £200,000. It's towards £150,000 if you go for something called pension drawdown, where you keep your money invested and you can get growth. So that's just for a comfortable retirement. And again, we factored in both of you getting the state pension. If mm-hmm. if we look at the luxury amount, which is £45,000 for, for a couple, the figure for an annuity, and this is fairly eye-watering, is £664,000 overall in terms of pot size. Wow. Again, for two for, people, is that Paul? For two people, yeah. So you can combine pensions uh, that you've, you've built up um, together in your various um, jobs over the years. And, it, and again, even for pension drawdown, where you, it continues to grow in retirement, the figures are £470,000. So these are fairly substantial pots that you're going to have to build up to make sure that you have a comfortable retirement. And so this, this 400k or 600k target pot, what does that mean in terms of the amount you need to put aside every month for for however many years over how long over how long a period so again it, it means tough targets it means starting as as soon as you can and putting away as as much as you can which might be particularly difficult at present when we said there's so many demands on your money there's there's been some recent research from the investment platform AJ Bell which showed that if a 30-year-old who was earning £30,000 a year was putting in the maximum qualifying earnings, so that's that's the 8% we talked about um, between the employer and yourselves, 
the, the total fund would be worth £306,000 at age 68, so when someone of this age would start qualifying for the state pension. So the income that that pot would produce would be around £10,000 per year uh, via income drawdown. So that, that overall pot is, is smaller than the figures we were talking about for luxury retirement and so produces a lower income. So even someone who seems to be in a good position, earning a fairly decent salary and putting in the minimum um, contributions at the moment would still fall short in, in terms of their final pot. Yeah, it, it should be. I mean, that that that's a really interesting illustration, and it 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 shows the I guess potential shortfalls of even sticking to the minimum auto enrollment um, levels of of pension contributions. That 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 scenario was based on someone living until their their mid nineties, so slightly you know above um, average life expectancy, and it also factors in that that that's after they take their twenty five percent tax free lump sum, which which anyone can do um, from from their retirement pot. But but still, it goes to show that even you know pretty healthy looking pot and pretty healthy looking contributions you know, only goes so far, um, especially over the course of a really long retirement. I should also mention here for more on this conversation, our How Much Do You Need for Retirement podcast, which you can find in the same feed as this one, wherever you're listening, is a great one to to head back to uh, if you haven't heard it already. So can we come back then to the idea of cutting back on your contributions and the consequences of this? Jenny, can it ever be a good idea? Well, as we've heard, heard, the honest truth is it's never going to be a great idea in terms of your um, long-term retirement prospects. It all depends on how desperately you need that money in the short term and how helpful that's that's going to be right now. Because for those, for those of us who are still quite a way off retiring, saving for the future is, is not going to be a priority for, for, for many of us. But it's really important to remember that that cutting your pension contributions could do more harm in the long term than good in the short term. So we we talked about the fact that when you pay into a pension, you get this lovely tax relief from the government, which helps to boost your your overall retirement pot. This money is then invested by your pension scheme with the aim of growing it again as much as possible by the time you you come to access the money that lovely combination of tax relief and investment growth means that any contributions you make today are likely to be worth much much more fingers crossed um at whatever point you retire in the future and that is also why even reducing your contributions by a small amount could have a much bigger impact on on your income in retirement. So I've, I've got another illustration here to, to, to show how that might pan out. It's from the insurer Aegon, which estimates that if um, a 25-year-old employee on average earnings were to reduce their pension contributions by just 1%, Um, of their earnings until they reach state pension age that could translate to missing out on £18,400 in their overall retirement pot and what could be even worse is that if that 1% reduction were then to be matched by the employer so if the employer then drops its contributions because um, the employee has the employee would lose out on double 
So that that lost amount would rise to thirty six thousand eight hundred pounds. So it's it, it's pretty stark. It's it really gives you food for thought. Have, having said all that, I am super wary about coming across all sanctimonious here because so many people are struggling in the here and now, and um, being able to even think about squirreling money away for the future is 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 just a luxury that they that they do not have. The point really that I want <laughs> us all to sort of take away is if if you are already paying into a pension and you are mulling the idea of cutting these contributions, the the big question you need to ask yourself is whether the money you'll be freeing up today is really, really worth that long-term hit to your pension pot. And if the answer is yes, then it, that, that's got to be done. But it's, it's a decision that, that really shouldn't be taken lightly. Well, let's hear now from Helen Morrissey from investment firm Hargreaves Lansdowne, who agrees we should really be taking a longer term view when thinking about whether to reduce our contributions. It's not just your contribution that's going into this pension, it's your employer contribution and it's the government contribution as well. And basically that is invested in the stock market where over time it benefits from investment growth. So by the time you get to retirement, the amount of money that you've actually put in should actually be dwarfed by the amount that you you actually end up with regards to pension because it's it's grown so much over that long term. Now the concern is is that if you um, look look to stop contributing to a pension you are missing out on those all important contributions particularly early on in your career and you might find that you you're several thousand pounds down if you, even if you took you know a year out from contributing to a pension by the time you got to retirement you could find that you're several thousand pounds down in terms of how much pension you've got than a colleague who maybe managed to to continue contributing throughout their working life Can we talk now about those employer contributions? It's clear from those figures just how important your employer contributions can be to your final pension amount. So if you cut back on yours, where does your employer stand? Well, as uh, as Paul explained earlier, um, under auto enrolment rules, the minimum um, total contribution for a workplace pension scheme is is 8% of your qualifying earnings. And that basically just means everything you earn between a, a lower and upper limit that's, that's set by the government. This 8% is made up of 5% from you, including tax relief, and 3% from your employer. It is a minimum, which means that you can choose to pay more than the 5%. And if you can afford to, then great, go for it. Um, for all the reasons that we've already talked about, that will set you up in great stead for, for retirement. Some employers will even match um, employee contributions. So that makes it an even better idea. But obviously, we're here, here we're talking about um, reducing contributions. And if if you want to cut your contributions to below the auto enrollment minimum for employees of 5%, then that could come with quite a drastic con- uh, consequence because it, it could mean forfeiting your employer's contributions altogether. And basically that is because they'd they'd no longer be legally obliged to meet their uh, 3% minimum because you wouldn't be covered by those auto enrollment rules. And so they could decide to, to pull the plug and, and, and stop contributing altogether. In this scenario, you've you've got to realise that basically you you would be giving up free money towards your retirement um, coming from your employer. 
yet another reason why why it's something to think very very carefully about and you know the the other bit of food for thought there is something that that Paul's already touched on which is that even even if you are managing to keep up the minimum contributions there's no guarantee that 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 is going to be enough to deliver a decent income in retirement so dipping below that is is potentially going to be storing up more financial challenges for the future. So if someone listening to this podcast today is seriously considering cutting their pension contributions, is there a kind of checklist of things that they they can do before they jump into it? Jenny, it might be worth a reminder here on what help is currently available for those struggling with the rising cost of living quite broadly. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that cutting pension contributions um, should be definitely seen in the category of sort of measures of of, of last resort. So, mm. if before going down that route, really take stock of all of the other options available to you, all of the ways that um, that you can ease ease the pressure in other ways. And and you know, again, really wary of sounding patronising here because so many people by this point, you know, with 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 the cost of living crisis having rumbled on for for many many months now many people will have exhausted all of the avenues available to them but Mm. i I will just recap on on some of the the options out there to make sure that um that listeners aren't missing out um and as we all know the government has introduced a number of support measures to help um ease the pressure on household budgets. The most recent of these were actually announced um, last week, so the end of May. So some of you might not have have totally got your head around what what that means yet. But the headline there is that there's going to be a £400 energy grant for all domestic energy customers, which will be paid as credit onto your energy bill in October. And crucially, it won't need to be paid back. So this replaces the earlier plans that the government had set out to give people £200 off their bills, which was then supposed to be repaid over the course of mm. five years. So this is good news, really, isn't it, Jenny? This is this is, this is is really good news. Um, well, as far as it goes, obviously, it's not going mm. to solve everyone's problems, yeah. but it's, it's something and it goes further from what was announced before. And on top of that, there will be um, targeted support for pensioners, for people on low incomes and for people with disabilities. So I can really quickly run through those. Um, If you are receiving certain means tested benefits um, as of July, so that will include universal credit, tax credits and pension credit, you will also be eligible for a £650 cost of living payment. If you are disabled and you receive non-means-tested disability benefits, there is an extra one-off payment worth £150. And then finally, um, pensioners who receive the government's winter fuel payment, which is a payment worth between £100 and £300 and is designed to cover the costs of energy bills during um, the colder months, you'll get an extra one-off sum of £300 in the autumn. So, of course, as I said, those payments, they're, they're good news, but they are only going to go so far and they're not going to bridge that, that big, big gap between um, you know what what costs looked like a few months ago and what they are now. So on top of on top of that uh, on top of that government help, make sure you're claiming all of the benefits you're entitled to, which is something you can check. There's a handy free online tool at a website called entitledto.co.uk. 
And finally, do also check out the Witch website. We are regularly putting out as much news and guides as possible to help uh, reduce costs on everything from fuel to food to energy. Our experts are channeling all of their efforts into, into, into supporting people during this really, really challenging time. So to find all of that in one place, um, just go to witch.co.uk forward slash cost of living. And finally then, Paul, today we've been talking at length about the impact of cutting your pension contributions, even by reducing it a small amount. But if you do want to make any changes to your pension, who can you speak to? Well, as as we've just mentioned, initially, you should speak to your employer first. So, you know, go and have a conversation. If you're struggling to to make the, the contributions, between you and the employer, you need to get to the magical figure of 8%. It may be that if you're dropping your contributions, the your employer might fill the gap to make to make up the shortfall. Um, they might do, but they might not. Com- companies are struggling as well as individuals right now after after COVID and, and the inflationary pressures that we're all feeling. But it's definitely worth having that conversation. And it's, it's worth reiterating that point about free money. Uh, Jenny's just been talking about free money from the government as a temporary measure. Pension saving is free money from your employer and the government on a constant basis so it's it's something that you should you should certainly um always try to to tap into when you can so so to to talk talk to you talk to your company firstly um there's there's some government services that you might consider um having a conversation with or finding out more um via their online website so um there's a service called money helper that that covers general money matters but has got lots of good advice and guidance on on pensions, and then you've got PensionWise, which is aimed at the over fifties. It's it's for people with so called defined contribution pensions, which make up most workplace pensions these days. And again, you can you can pre book a telephone appointment that lasts about forty five minutes to an hour, and you can you can actually um, talk through all all the all the issues and considerations that are. Um, wrapped up in your pension, so that those are two services that you you need to um, to look into if if you're thinking about dropping your pension contributions. You should also review your decision if if you decide to stop, because you're 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 re-enrolled automatically into your pension scheme every three years. But it may be that your um, your circumstances improve sooner. So, um, you know, if, if inflation drops, if, if you were to get a pay rise, if your all-round situation improves, you, you should maybe think about going back into your pension scheme sooner. I, I know it's really hard. Once, once you have that money in your pocket, once you have that money in your wallet each month, to then make the decision to go back and put it into your pension can be quite tricky. So I think the longer you leave it without contribution, there's a danger that you, you never go back to that. But you know, put put a note in your diary that is something that you need to consider. And, you know, you can always increase your contributions at any time. So again, if, if things get better, um, it, it's something that you can consider. Thank you so much to Jenny and Paul for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover in the show or even dedicate an episode to, then please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or drop us an email at podcast at witch.co.uk. Please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week. 
And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at witchmoney and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Charlotte Gifford.